Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Blues on Parade podcast, where all we do is talk Chelsea, and uh, we're we're going to talk shit about Chelsea from top to bottom, from ownership to the managers to the players. Uh, it's all just kind of falling apart, so we're going to get into it a little bit. We're going to have a venting session. This is our annual State of the Club podcast, where we just kind of... <laughs> outline where chelsea is and Sam, it seems like the last three or four years uh the state of the club podcast hasn't been too good has it no no uh yeah i mean when you think of state of the state of the union or whatever state of the club you know it's an update but um it's more of like a crisis meeting uh it feels <laughs> like right now and it's been a while since we recorded zach uh, we have to acknowledge yeah. the fact that we've been uh We've been slacking a little bit. Well, not slacking. Andreas, uh, I mean, I think our last episode was Andreas' solo pod. That Mm -hmm. was after the Fulham win. Um, He is now a father and uh, dealing with the burden of being a father. No, I'm just kidding. But, um, you know, we're all very happy for him. But understandably, he's a very busy guy. Big upgrade in his life. Zach. You upgraded too, moving back uh, into your parents' house. That's pretty cool, right? Temporarily, <laughs> might I add. I don't want you to make oh, me sound okay. too washed. Yeah, yeah temporarily. Thoughts prayers, Zach. Thoughts a pretty big life, pretty big life change for Andres, obviously with the baby, but a life change for me as well. My wife and I bought a house, and uh, it's going to be done in the next two to three months here. So we decided, why not save on rent? Um, so that's what we're doing. And uh, yeah, I do apologize. You know, I've been moving the last couple of weeks. Um, you know, some some work stuff that's been going on. It's life's been, yeah, no been kind of crazy. Back. We're back. Uh, yeah, we're back. Who hey, gives a shit? And how about this weather, Zach? Um, here in Los Angeles, it's uh, it's pouring rain. We have uh, flash flood warnings. How fitting uh, after today's match for it to be this kind of weather. When it rains, it pours, doesn't it? Song? Exactly. There, there it is, Zach. That was, was that's what I was looking for. <laughs> I mean, look, it it was, uh, you know, like I said earlier, hasn't been a good couple days for Chelsea. You know, when I when we first kind of went on this unplanned hiatus uh, from podcasting, we actually went on a pretty decent run. You know, the Fulham match, obviously the uh, the Middlesbrough second leg. And then the first leg against Aston Villa, even though we didn't get a result, I think overall the performance was positive outside of the finishing aspect of things. You know, guys like Cole Palmer came to life. We saw Nkunku finally coming back. Um, Chuck Wameka as well, Chile. Um, so we thought we were going to get a boost, you know, heading into the next couple league matches against Liverpool and now Wolves. Smacked by Liverpool. Um, we played like shit. No plan, no guts, and unfortunately, no glory for the Blues. And then the same thing again against Wolves. You know, we started the match not too great. I thought the defense was shaky in the beginning. We got the go-ahead goal, which should have taken some of the pressure off. But of course, Wolves actually have some balls. And they actually have a manager that yells at the players and makes tactical changes in match. So who would have thought that they would, you know, 
come back just two minutes later and uh, spoil the day. But I don't really want to focus too much on the match, um, the Liverpool match or the Wolves match, Sam, because we're just going to sit here and talk a bunch of shit about individual performances and managerial yeah. performances. Well, one thing one thing I want to point out about those two things, those two matches, um, it's like looking around the league. Um, Wolves last week, they lost to United off of like a last second goal after equalizing. So, you know, like, and then United again winning this week. So, mm-hmm. you know, and then Arsenal today, they beat Liverpool after, you know, Liverpool smacked us. So Handedly it's like too. looking, it's like looking around the league, you're seeing those two clubs, which were, you know, kind of in a little bit of a mini crisis as well. They're moving back into the right direction, whereas we were moving in the right direction before, and now we're going back down. So, I mean, it goes to show, like, with with moments like these, you you have to take a step back and realize that in a 38-match season plus cup competitions, like, we're going to have spells. Like, almost every club, except for, like, the most elite of the elite, are going to have spells where they look really good. And then we're gonna have some spells where they, we don't look too good, um, you know. Hope like the 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 ideal situation is that we have prolonged stretches of greatness and then a small, you know, little dip in form. But for us, it's it's looking more like forty percent looking good and sixty percent dip in form. So um, yeah, I don't know. I think I think we still need to have a little bit of perspective like i don't want to like everything that we're going to talk about today i don't want to go too crazy off of two matches but um yeah it's it just it it's it's feeling a lot like uh, when tukul got sacked like just the mm-hmm. the the feeling around the club the feeling that i get watching the team um it just felt like it's kind of an inevitable, like it's going to happen. It's whether, you know, we wake up tomorrow, we get the news that he's sacked or whether he stays until the end of the season and gets sacked, you know, like there's a lot that will go into it. A lot of questions to be asked. And as of the time of recording Sunday night, um, no word yet on the status of Mauricio Pochettino's future at Chelsea. Obviously, some conflicting reports uh, going both ways. Some reports stating that you know Chelsea are looking at potential managerial targets. I, I just want to start off by saying this: um, Chabi Alonso is not coming to Chelsea, so let's just get that. Come out Come on, I, I, I'm keeping that. I'm keeping that hope alive. Personally, <laughs> look, we I'm should definitely we should definitely offer him a fat contract if he's willing to uh, negotiate or even sit at a table with us but i'll be shocked if he even wants to after you know Klopp announcing that he's leaving liverpool i think that's 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 a move taylor made for chavi alonso obviously ex liverpool player so there's a connection with that club um more reports coming out that we've been linked with girona's manager as well obviously girona is second in la liga um you know real madrid tying atletico today so it actually gives girona a chance to get to the top of the table next week potentially um but that doesn't really excite me either and look i, I you're right there does need to be a lot of perspective in this conversation i'm going to try and be as level headed as possible um but the bottom line is i'm fucking pissed off <laughs> this is 
it's 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 laughable at this point. And I think we've gotten at least myself, and I don't know, maybe you can say if you relate to this or not. I'm numb. I'm completely numb. I don't celebrate goals. Um, I don't stay hopeful when we get, when we get a lead just like we did today you know 2 minutes later we lost it um and i don't get too high on good performances because during that little hiatus i thought after that and villa match i said you know what going into liverpool maybe we won't win it's it's definitely a tough match to go into anfield and win but at least put up a performance that we can build on you know some positives you know maybe a couple good performances here and there some link up play you know, maybe a little bit of tactical nuance, and that didn't happen. Um, and then you would you would expect a reaction um, for the Wolves match, and we didn't get that. And now we're in a position where we have a negative one goal differential, so we've conceded more goals than we've scored this season. We are officially bottom half of the table in 11th now. Wolves leapfrogged us, and we are closer to the relegation zone than we are to the top of the league. So. Um, are we closer? Are we closer to relegation than we are to top four? Or Everton's uh, on nineteen points. We're on thirty-one points, so we only have twelve more points than Everton. And uh, Liverpool is on fifty-one. No, Tottenham's I'm talking on, about Tottenham's yeah. on forty-four. That that's European places. Yeah, thirteen. Yeah, so, so we there's... are closer to relegation than we are to <laughs> top five. Yeah. It's 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 holy rough. shit. Yeah, it's that's very rough. That's that's some perspective right there. Um, I want to talk before we get into like, I think like it, we're gonna have the Pochettino talk for sure. But before we get yeah. into that, I want to talk about this defense. Um, we're giving up. I think if my number, I can do the math right now. I think it's one point seven goals per game. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. I think that's right. Um, 39 divided by 23, 1.7. 1.7 goals per match we're giving up. The highest that Chelsea have given up in a season in Premier League history. 1.7 goals per match. JT and Roberto Carvalho are definitely looking, like, shaking their head every time they see uh, the other team on an attack. But... It hasn't looked great. Um, I think, obviously, like, we need to have the Thiago Silva conversation. Like, he's not, like, I I by no means think that he should be dropped completely. But at his age, it just, it's it's not fair to him to play him every match. Like, he shouldn't have to play every match. Um, and, like, he should be just brought on, like, when we need him the most. Um, but, like... Desasi and Badia Shield. You know, we have obviously Fofana out injured. Um Levi Colwell's hurt. Like, how are you feeling about our center back core right now? I mean, well, let's let's throw in the whole defense, you know, like Reese James obviously yeah. never he's never healthy. Malagusto and Ben Chilwell coming back from injury. He's looked horrendous. He's looked absolutely mm-hmm. awful since coming back. Um, Kukurea, mm-hmm. you know, he's had he's had spells where he's looked good, but I think for the most part it hasn't been good. Like, is that still like a huge priority? It depends. 
I think uh, long term, if you're just looking based on pure talent and ability, and if you do want to play this high line, high pressing system, you would you the ideal center back pairing would probably be Levi Colwell and and Fafana. Uh, just yeah. because of their athleticism, their recovery pace, their physicality, they do have, you know, more. Both of them have more size than Thiago Silva and and pace for that. Well, defi- uh, definitely that matter more pace. also. But here's the thing. I mean, here's I'll kind of start with Thiago Silva. Here's where I stand with him. I still think he has something to give in terms of you know being a actual footballer at Chelsea. Right? He shouldn't be starting week in and week out. You're spot on with that. But I do think playing him week in and week out is hindering our ability to, one, play this high line. Um, I do think it presents a target for other teams to attack us, um, you know, just by simply playing balls in behind. Especially if you're going to be deploying Ben Chilwell as a fucking left winger, essentially. Um, and, and that's kind of my gripe with Chilwell's positioning and this whole thing, too. It's, I'm not buying the Ben Chilwell is crap argument. That's bullshit. Not buying it for a second. Um, but I do think he needs a manager. Or he needs some tactical guidance or instructions as to when to step up when to st- or, and when to drop deep. And unfortunately, his positioning has just been god-awful. And for me, that comes down to the manager. And we'll, we'll get to that in a little bit. Um, Malo Gusto was probably... I would argue one of our best signings, probably besides Cole Palmer, just in terms of young talent in this last year or two. And he had his worst game in a Chelsea jersey. Yeah, he really by did. By far. He really he did. Terrible. I mean, he, he, he was all out of whack. I don't think playing Axel DeSassi next to him helps. I think Thiago Silva and DeSassi are way too slow on the ball in terms of ball progression. I don't think it helps that Caicedo's being left on an island as the only midfield outlet to collect for the center backs to play the ball into, which is why we play this side to side, tippy tappy football. Um, it, it it is concerning, you know. Badia Shields, another guy who we talked highly about early on in the season. Me and Andres are really high on him. Still am. I'm you know I'm not down on the guy, but he's had a really tough run of form too. I, I, my thing is. The chopping and changing, the constant rotation, the lack of consistency. Thiago Silva is really the only guy. And DeSassi has been playing consistently as well, but we've seen him on the right side. We've seen him partnered with... It's, it's, it's just all over the fucking place. And I, I get it. You know, We do have these injuries. Every team does. But, and this actually goes for every position too. It shouldn't hinder... Poch's motivation to establish a style of play and to continue playing a certain way, right? Um, you know, we're constantly hearing this excuse of player injuries and we're young and we're this and we're that. And I'm, I'm just not buying it anymore. I'm really not. There are other young teams in the Premier League that can pull results together. Why can't we? There's other te- young teams all around Europe that are pulling results together. So, you know, the youthful argument isn't really an argument at all for me, because if you look at the individual talent, yes, it's not the Chelsea of five or six years ago, but it's still talented enough to be better than 11th. It's still talented enough to get results against mid-table clubs at the bridge. So, I mean, the back line's been a shambles, and, you know, we got absolutely rinsed by Liverpool. I don't think that did anything for their confidence. Actually, I would argue if we didn't have Petrovic in goal against Liverpool, it probably could have been five or six. Same thing here against Wolves. You know, he made a couple decent saves. 
And that's probably the guy who I feel the worst for because Petrovic is phenomenal. You know, he's, he has heart. He's probably the only player in this side that hasn't really put a foot wrong this season. He hasn't really had a bad or poor match. Um, it's just all over the place, man. And for me, that it, it comes down to recruitment strategy because a guy like DeSassi presents the same issues that a guy like Thiago Silva at this time in his career is bringing in terms of his mobility, um, you know, the recovery pace, the... You the, the ball the, progression also. The ball progression, yeah. You took the words right out of my mouth there. And, and you know, you don't have that issue as much with body of shield, but again, that guy's not too pacey either. So yeah. when you really look at it, like if we do want to play this sort of style that we think Pochettino wants to play, it really is Colwell and Fofana who are naturally suited to play that. So why are we recruiting players? Like we spent $80 million between DeSassi and Badia Shield. Why are we recruiting players that just don't fit the profile of what we're trying to do? It really doesn't make much sense. Especially when you got a guy like Trevor Chalaba there who does have some recovery pace. You know, he does have some physical prowess. So what, like, what can't he do compared to DeSassi or Badia Shield? Or what can't Alfie Gilchrist do <laughs> compared to DeSassi or Badia Shield? It's just, it's, it, it's confusing, you know, and, and, and it goes, we, we can talk about the defense, but if you look at the midfield and forwards, it's much the same. It's like, okay, if we're really trying to play this particular way, why are why are we recruiting x y or z like we've made some good purchases here and there but overall it's just confusing yeah yeah i agree with all that um so you know the personnel and the tactics i think this is all leading us into one direction we got to start talking about you know ownership and pochettino where where do you want to start zach well, I think there's a disconnect between the two, so they're kind of, you know, in conjunction with one another. I, I guess let's start about ownership, because all the questions and comments we got were mainly about Pochettino. Um, okay. Conflicting reports today, right? Obviously. Yeah, well, ownership, just... ownership and the board. Like, let's talk yeah, about all, all in one. Yeah, yeah all 17 board all members and 16 sporting directors and... Yeah. You know, the new medical staff and so on and so forth. I mean, you know, reports came out today that Igbali wanted Pochettino out after the performance. Boli still wants him in. Let's just start there. How concerned are you that our two, you know, the, the two faces of, of, of our ownership are essentially on different pages? Less than two years into their, you know, ownership tenure. Wait, sorry. You got cut out. Say that again? Sorry? Oh, no, I was just saying, you know, the fact that Boli and Nick seem to be on different pages in terms of the whole Pochettino conversation. Should he stay? Should he go? I mean, how concerning is that? Because they're, they're, they're barely two years into their tenure mm -hmm. and there's already a disconnect there between ownership. Yeah. So I personally am not believing anything that I see in, the, in this regard. Like, the fact that we're seeing conflicting things means that like there's like i i don't know what to believe and it's mm -hmm. so hard to evaluate also like like how good of a job 
a certain person does or you know what like because we we don't know we're not in there we like everything that we see is parsed through different reports by different people that you know i i don't know who is as reliable as who who's getting their news from who and like it's just very hard i think from an outsider like people make it seem like it's so clear that ownership sucks all when stanley sucks like whoever like they're bad but I, I feel like it's just so hard for us on the outside to make like a firm like judgment on on anyone but yeah like if if they were let's just like assume that it, it's accurate that they're on separate pages yeah that's obviously a bad a bad look like mm -hmm. assuming like you know, I'm understanding like from my understanding of the structure, like it is still Todd Bowley's decision. You know, he he has authority over Egg Bali, um, because I yeah. think he has a personal ownership as well. Mm -hmm. Um so it's um yeah, it's a little tricky. I, I I that's not a great look. I and if 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 it's Todd Bully that says I want to stay with Pochettino, then that really worries me even more um, because it's it hasn't been like I understand like I totally understand the whole idea of how the hell are we ever going to convince anyone to come sign for Chelsea if in the first two years of ownership. They've already hired and fired two guys who were supposed to be long-term people in uh, Grand Potter and now in Pochettino. Like, neither of them make it even through a full season. Mm -hmm. um, it's it's not a great look. And I don't want them to rush into that decision without, like, knowing for sure who we get. Um, so... Yeah. It's such a complex situation. I'm so happy that I'm not in charge of the team and I don't have to make these decisions because uh like I feel like at this point hiring a manager is like honestly a crapshoot. Like there's so yeah. many like there are so few options out there and the options that do exist all have like baggage mm -hmm. and like question or either that or question marks. Mm -hmm. So like unless you're getting like a Zidane or like Ancelotti or some like someone like that proven, yeah. Or like if we get Poach Pep, maybe. I mean, is uh, Unai Emery is that like a potential thing? Like I don't think that would even. I don't think he would even do that. Yeah. Um, but still, like those options don't really exist right now. Like proven. You know, that's, that's that's the thing. That's the thing. And and a oh, part sorry, of me, sorry. let me let me rephrase that. Oh, there are on. there are people who are proven, like Mauricio put. I mean, uh, Jose Mourinho, but they have the track record of being fired at the last fucking six jobs that they've had. So obviously, it's not the best situation either to or like the best candidate to bring in. Yeah, yeah, and, and I agree with that to a certain extent. I think bringing someone like Jose does prevent does present some positives, um, and it also does present some negatives because Jose Mourinho does bring a lot of baggage uh, by the truckload. So 
I do get that. But at the same time, I also think to your point about, you know, a, a manager with the type of ilk as an Ancelotti or a Zizou or even an Umay, Unai Emery, who's been, you know, probably one of the best managers in Europe over the last 18 months. Um, I just don't see us going out there and obtaining an elite manager who can kind of come in and with all of these rumors about, you know, the ownership disconnect, the players disconnect, and most importantly, the fans disconnect, I really don't see anybody kind of bringing it all together outside of Jose as conf- uh, as uh, controversial as that sounds. Um, but I mean, here's the bottom line. You know, Boley and Igbali hired when Stanley and Stewart to just kind of, you know, run the sporting side of things. I don't know who pulled the trigger on this Mauricio Pochettino thing, but 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 my point is we need a, we need somebody who's going to establish a culture because when you really dissect this Chelsea situation, that's what's missing from the club. I haven't felt close to these players, to this manager, to this club since Abramovich left. I really haven't. The last time I felt genuine love and appreciation for a manager was Tuchel. And even when the performances and the results weren't going our way, I still had some level of faith and some level of connection to Tuchel because this guy came here and he did it before. So, you know, it's not going to happen every season. Maybe you buy a couple players, you sell a couple players, but you don't sell a whole entire team. You don't sell all of the experience that we have here. You know, maybe a guy like Jorginho did need to go on his way out. Did a Kovacic? You know, did the con- the contract standoff with Rudiger? I mean, that was its own thing. COVID was in play and the sanctions and all of that good stuff. You can't really say no to a team like Real Madrid. But I'm just kind of looking down the line here. And, you know, we got rid of Olivier Giroud. This guy goes to AC Milan and is scoring double digits. You know, and now we have a striker issue again. But when Giroud was leading the line, we never had a goal problem. It wasn't that big of a deal, you know. And and the exa- I could bring up more examples, but it would it would just be exhausting at this point. And I think that's the first mistake is getting rid of the players that the fans had some level of a connection with, right? That's where the I disconnect begins. That that's definitely a huge thing. Yeah, um, I also think that. A lot of those players, a lot of those outgoings, um, I think it's also what the players wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, they, like there's part of it is what you said, but I also think there is an aspect of like, obviously like Kovacic, like if you're Kovacic, do you want to stick around at the shit show or do you want to go join yeah. the best team in the world right now? Like mm-hmm. that's a no brainer. Mm-hmm. I feel like, you know, like you mentioned like the, the, the circumstances around Rudiger. I don't know about the Giroud thing. I'm like not remembering um, how that went down, but I, I I don't remember like whether that was something that he wanted or the club or whatever. Like, I, was it? Did we let him go on a free or we sold him? I believe it was a free. I could be wrong. Yeah, I mean, if that's the case, then you know, like that's it was up to like, him. Yeah, yeah, you know, I mean, still, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's but uh, it's just yeah. a lot. But you know, my my point is, you get rid of all your experience and you replace it with no experience. 
Yeah. And you I mean, can't that, expect, so. you know, a bunch of U23s to sort of establish an elite culture and an elite mentality, right? I've been listening a lot to the John Obi McKell podcast. I highly recommend it for anybody that's listening. Um, and, you know, he's had all of the former Chelsea greats on. He had John Terry, Frank Lampard, Joe Cole. He had, um, who else did he have on his podcast that spoke? That spoke uh, Maluda, right? Didn't they have yeah, Mourinho? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had Maluda talk. Yep, Mourinho, he had right? Jose. And they all spoke about the sort of culture. And Mikel mentions this in every podcast. After a loss, the players would be genuinely pissed off. There would be no days off. They would be in training the next day. They would be doing the hard yards in training. And they would be doing extra hours outside of training, right? And based on what I see, that culture is gone. You know, I saw Chelsea post a video two or three days ago on their Instagram after the Liverpool defeat. And the players are laughing and joking around on the training ground. And I don't give a fuck if it's a new generation. I don't. An elite mentality is an elite mentality. There's a reason why Jordan and Kobe are unanimously two of the greatest basketball players that ever played. Why? Because they were assholes. They had an elite mentality. They'd get pissed when they lose. They'd jack up a thousand free throws if they missed missed some that game before. That's just the mindset. And frankly, I don't really see any of these players doing that. I... (laughs) The proof is in the pudding. None of them have really improved throughout the season, barring a couple exceptions and you know maybe guys like Cole Palmer, right? Um, but outside of that... Sticking, sticking to the basketball uh, comparison, I, and, and also talking about podcasts, uh, Alperin Şengün, who's a Turkish basketball player for the Rockets, he did an interview with uh, Paul George. Um, he talked about how you know, like he played in Turkey before he came to the NBA and like, you know, the team was really good. He was like, you're a league MVP, whatever. And the mentality there. So he comes to the Rockets and it's like a, they they were playing pretty poorly. And he remembers like after every match, him getting like really pissed off when they lost, like mm-hmm. really being annoyed. And then mm-hmm. like looking around and seeing everyone like laughing, joking around. Like he said, like back in Turkey, like, they lost a game on the bus back. No one says a word. Mm-hmm. But here, like after or like on that on the new team after a loss, like everyone's joking around, blah blah blah. I feel like it's the same vibes. Like you know, like it's it's the culture is not there. Like it's it's a bad team. They're losing, and they don't care about the loss. Like I totally, I'm with you. I think I think it is a generational thing, mm-hmm. but. It's not like a thing where it's like, if you're from this generation, you are, you have to be this way because there are young players out there that I think have the right mentality that, Mm -hmm. you know, like are winners like that. So I, I don't think like, I think it's more widespread in this generation, but I don't think it's like a definitive thing. Like it's something that can be change like you can you can find the right players that have the right attitude, you know, maybe, maybe this is an extreme example, but look at Erling Holland. Yeah, no, exactly. He's, he's never happy after they drop after they drop points. Look at a guy like Vinicius, you know, for yeah, Real exactly. Madrid. Although they're elite footballers, I get that. There's a reason why they got there, right? Yep. There's there's that sort of mentality that you have of I wasn't good enough today. We weren't good enough today. I'm showing up to training tomorrow. I'm busting my ass and we're going to right our wrongs, right? Yeah. 
and 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 they are part of this generation. I mean, they're both under twenty five. <laughs> so yeah, I'm not really having the argument that oh, it's a generational thing. Yes, I do understand that. You know, a a a, a Jose Mourinho type character can't go into a dressing room and say fuck you to all of the players and make you know guys like Salah cry and eventually leave the club and things like that and so on and so forth, as he said on the Mikel podcast. But where's the accountability? You know, Pochettino goes into every press conference and says, we're young, I feel bad for the fans, you know, it's it's a young team, you just have to trust, we're going to yeah, be better, process this, process that, fuck all of that, right? Don't give these players any days off, don't give them a long leash, and if guys aren't on the pitch aren't performing, I'm looking at you, Raheem Sterling, I'm looking at you, Connor Gallagher, as of the last, what, month or so, why are you still, Disasi? Why are you still starting games week in and week out? And it's just, what is the definition of insanity, Psalm? It's doing the same thing over and over and over and expecting a different result, right? That's exactly what Pochettino's done here. And I said the same thing under Graham Potter. I think Graham Potter, as a tactician, as a manager, I, I think he's going to be successful on the whole, right? When his career is said and done, he's going to be successful. But he had the same issue in terms of establishing this quote-unquote culture. Granted, Graham Potter did have some baggage with guys like, you know, Hakeem Ziyech and Pulisic and, you know, maybe a couple other players who already knew they were on their way out with one foot out the door. But the point being, it's the manager's job to establish this kind of culture. Changing your lemons in your office is not going to bring you a different type of juju. Changing your rhetoric changing your demeanor, changing your expectations, tr changing your training regimen. That's what shocks players. You have to teach them a lesson. And I feel like a lot of these guys are just coasting, right? And, and that's the frustration, man. It's where the fuck is the culture? And if you want the fans, if you're the sporting directors or ownership or the manager, and, and, and you have this disconnect with the fans, the best way that you can kind of reconnect us is by taking that accountability. It's by setting a certain standard, right? It's not having this loosey-goosey, oh, you know, it's a process and we're going to rebuild and shit happens. Fuck that mindset. You know, that's, we're never going to win that way. You don't see Mikel Arteta saying that. You don't see Pep Guardiola ever saying that. You don't see Jurgen Klopp ever saying that. You look around the rest of Europe, you don't hear them saying that. So why are we? What makes us any different? And well, it's I, I mean, it, it, it is a little bit different in the sense that the team is so new and so young. So mm -hmm. it is, and like like you 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 did hear Arteta talk saying those kinds of things, and the lot you know in his first two seasons. Um, but like it, it, I think that is a little bit of a fair point. But it it's gotten too far. Like the fact that there is no accountability whatsoever. Mm -hmm. Like I remember. Uh, there was one the the one match where was it was Sterling he got suspended he think he got a straight red, um or some something. no 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 he didn't he didn't square the ball yeah forgetting who it was against but he no was, there was some there was some match well I I think he missed a match for being suspended, and then when he was eligible to come back he still didn't make the team list and that was like the best we looked and like. I, I really liked that Jose did that. I mean, sorry, not Jose. <laughs> that Pochettino did that. And I think, like, like, uh, that, like 
this whole season, I've been back and forth on how I felt with Pochettino, mm-hmm. and like that was a time where I, f- I felt good. But yeah, the, it's back to he's back on his bullshit. It it he keeps on regressing back into these ways, and I don't know what the hell the reason is. Like, is he just like listening to the you know higher ups? Like, I I I don't know if I believe that. I think it's him being a little bit more soft, um, mm-hmm. or just being stupid. Um, but I mean, I you look know, at man. his, you look at his track record at PSG. I mean, he, he's known to be a manager that sort of caters to the players and is more of a quote unquote friendly manager, right? Like big personalities at PSG with Neymar and, you know, so on and so forth at the time. But you know, th- he wasn't ruthless. That's why they didn't win the champions league. You know, they had one of the best starting 11s in Europe and couldn't even make a a legitimate run that was worth respecting, right? Based on the talent that they had. So even when the guy does have talent and he does have experience and he does have quality, the the, the track record's really, and I know it's contradicting to what I said earlier this season, but it's not really there. You know, barring that one or two years he had at Spurs where Harry Kane decided to pop, Dele Alli was on top of his game, you know, Son made his big breakthrough. You know, he did have leadership in that squad and Alderweireld and Vertonghen, right? Like, as much as I hate to say it, there was leadership there to sort of support Pochettino. And the more I'm seeing him manage his Chelsea side, the more I'm starting to think, okay, he must have leaned on that leadership a lot more than I initially thought. You know, just to kind of get him across the line and to sort of get the team ticking on all cylinders. But yeah, man, I'm sick and tired of hearing him talk. And going into the season, he was saying all the right things. I thought he sort of set, you know, a, a, a decent tone, a decent culture. And we saw it in the preseason. We were playing liquid football. Like, we, we actually looked really, really good. Granted, it's against a bunch of reserves or, you know, players that weren't necessarily fit and whatnot. I don't care. But the initial culture that was established, he was on the right track. So where does it kind of all go wrong? And I think over time, you know, hearing your manager just making these excuses and giving you a longer and longer and longer leash, it doesn't make you a better player. Being ruthless makes you a better player. Learning lessons makes you a better player. What lessons have we seen this team learn this year? Like a serious question. I don't know. I can't answer that. Exactly. Like, I can't either. And that's the problem, right? I think a majority of the side, I would argue 75 to 80% of the players have regressed. They haven't gotten better, right? Cole Palmer is probably the only one I could think of off the yeah. top of the head where you're like, okay, on the whole, yeah, he, has, he might you know, not have a, a very impactful game here or there, but generally speaking, the guy's improving. I think a guy like Noni Madueke, for, you know, he had a run of two or three games where he was playing really well. All of a sudden goes into the shitter what happened there where's the sort of you know progression consistent progression right and like one more thing i also want to add with poch is like you know like how it's he's not consistent with this like you saw at halftime against liverpool he made three changes he took off noni he took off uh he took off uh, gallagher and he took off chilwell yanked them all at half and those are the three guys who honestly looked the worst on the field um mm-hmm. and 
was like, I thought like, wow, that took balls. That was very impressive. And then he reverts back to the same thing against Wolves. Um, like and no the first sub he makes is he brings on Nico Jackson for uh fucking Kaiseido. What the fuck was that? That was yeah, crazy. Let's just, let's just give up our whole midfield. And I know Kaiseido's on a yellow card, but like, come on, man. I mean, that's inexcusable in my book. That was I mean, a you... crazy sub. Yeah, that yeah, was the craziest it... one I've seen this year. I mean, let's just kind of get right into it. I'll, I'll read off the first sort of. Twitter, it's not really a question, it's more of a statement, and we can just kind of give our thoughts here. A lot of venting going on with the with the uh, Blues on Parade Ultras here. Johnonomics2 uh, tweeted at us, he says, Get them gone. Last straw today. Cup final's gonna be a massacre if nothing's changed. Offer Silva, and I don't know if I agree with this, but offer Silva, the player-manager interim job, to see out his contract. Play with wingbacks. Send half the squad to the U23s. You can see them. You could see them. He's talking about Wolves four-one up, and their manager shouting out their players while Potch stood there with his hands in his pockets, looking like Darvin Ham, man. Yeah, if if he was standing, I mean, he's yeah. sitting down most of the time. Yeah, I mean, it's simply he says finishes just as not good enough at home. Where's the pride, the effort? Players see the manager stood there, not giving a shit. Hardly motivational. This is part of the problem. Be ruthless with your decisions. He was ruthless against Liverpool. Granted, we didn't have the greatest second half, but there was a visual improvement. The link-up play with Chukwemeka and Nkunku, right? That was a positive. If Mudrik takes a touch, he scores that goal, all of a sudden we're right back into the game. And we probably didn't even deserve to be at that point. So it's like the substitutions that he made in that game, they did quote-unquote work in terms of changing and having an impact on the game. What happened against Wolves? What was Connor Gallagher doing today? What was Ben Chilwell doing today? I honestly couldn't tell you. Yeah, what, what was Raheem Sterling doing today? We saw Sterling maybe have like a five or 10 minute spell where he decided to drop in into half spaces and run at defenders, which is probably what he's best at. What did he do the rest of the second half? Absolutely nothing. And what's the change he makes? Oh, Nkunku hardly touched the ball. Instead of dropping him deeper and maybe playing him at the 10 or playing him on the left wing to get on the ball more and create more, he hooks him. Oh, yeah. He took out fucking Nkunku, too. What the fuck? Oh, my God. And Nkunku's our best. Uh, Who did he put on? Chukwemeka, yeah. And I'm not against Chukwemeka coming on because I I, I am very high on him. But putting Nkunku on the left-hand side, you saw their combination play against Liverpool. There's positives there. There's an understanding between the two players. They're great playing those one-twos. They're great in the half spaces. And Kunku's awesome, you know, playing off of flicks and running off of the ball. Didn't utilize it. He's like, you know what? We're chasing a game, and guess what? I don't need my best attacker. (laughs) It's absolute madness to me, right? And... For him not to see that, you know, certain players are just not having an impact on the game like a Conor Gallagher. And yet you keep him on for the 90 minutes. For what? Because he has the best cardio? Like, is that really the excuse that we're going to make here? And I'm, I'll be the first person to defend Conor Gallagher. He had a great start to the season. But as of late, what the fuck is his role in this team? And... and <sighs> I'm going to keep ranting if I don't shut myself up, but some. The motivation aspect is the thing I want to touch on with the Johnonomics question because, you know, we criticize Poch for the culture, and 
the motivation is probably one of those things. We hardly see a difference between a first half and a second half. We hardly see a difference between losing the previous match and the following match. The reactions just are not there 99.9% of the time. Is, am I crazy in, in, in making that analysis? Or is this like one of Pochettino's Achilles heels as a manager? Because I don't think, I don't think the guy's motivational at all. No, I mean, yeah, and that's and think, kind of the problem Graham Potter had too. Yeah, and I think it is an important thing for sure. Like, it's it, you have to be like, there's obviously a leader on the team, as in like a player, but the manager has to be the main leader. And if if he's not hundred percent in in it, like, how can you expect the players to be? Mm-hmm. I'm I'm not. I'm not too uh, against the idea of a Thiago Silva player manager idea, honestly. <laughs> oh, but um, I mean, Big I don't statement. know. Like, what the fuck other options do we have for the rest of the season? If you want to get rid of Pochettino right now, what else do we have for the rest of the season? Here's the thing. I think Thiago Silva is a fantastic leader. I'm not taking anything away from him or any of his career accolades. But moving him to a player manager role doesn't do anything in terms of motivating the squad. He's already been there. He already has his he's already had his opportunity to step up at halftime, to step up at training, talk to the players, give it to the guys that aren't performing, you know, uh dap up the guys that are. Like he hasn't done like he's already had that opportunity. So bringing him as a manager, it's not going to make a difference. It really isn't. Personally speaking, I mean, I know there's some I people out there that Maybe. might be crazy enough to think it works like you, but I, I don't know. That one doesn't move the needle for me either. Where do Let's we go? Yeah, let's go, on the, let's go on the next where, question. Where do we go from here, man? Tom Ashdown said he actually had, you know, an interesting perspective on this. And uh, yeah, he states, this is the reality of the situation. The club has been flipped upside down in the last 18 months. With that comes teething problems and speed bumps. Calling for the manager to be sacked is not the right move. Everyone calls for the manager to be sacked every six months, and it becomes Groundhog Day. A manager comes in, six months go by, the quote-unquote FIFA football manager fans start calling out for his head like he's the problem, and the moment the manager outlasts the fickle fans and players is the moment we can see success again. People citing Silva's wife is absurd. Of course she's going to blame the manager when things go bad. Hashtag manager out culture started by Arsenal fans with Wenger needs to stop. I don't really get this point. I'll retort it. You guys called for a fullback instead of Colwell and see what happened. Poch can't win, can he? Toxic fans. Listen, I agree with the manager argument. There is a valid argument to be made that if you do sack Poch, who the fuck are we going to bring in? I totally get that. But the whole, you guys called for a fullback instead of Colwell and see what happened. The fullback is doing what the manager is telling him to do. And prove me wrong, Sam. Did Pochettino not start... Ben Chilwell as a left winger against Liverpool on opening day. Okay, yeah, well, we're talking about over opening day. He hasn't done no, that no, no. in a while. Listen, his positioning against Wolves was as a left winger. He pushed up every single attack. Sometimes he was our highest player when we had possession of the ball. So it's yeah. like... Yeah, like yes, doing that in a back four is, is, is really stupid. Like, if, if we yeah. can... If we switch to a back three, which is something that I've said this season, 
Like, I think that it would work. Um, mm -hmm. But doing that in the back four is, is too much. And to play devil's advocate even more, look at the midfield. We have yeah. 200 million pounds worth of midfielders on the pitch. If you want to add Connor Gallagher in there, let's call it 250, right? <laughs> We're still getting outrun. Enzo and Gallagher have no idea what they're supposed to do. Caicedo's on an island. Look at the goal, that the first goal that Wolves scored. Yes, Caicedo loses possession. But if you watch it in slow motion, if you just pause it at the moment Caicedo decides, oh shit, I don't have any passing options. Tell me where Enzo and Gallagher are. 25 oh, yards yeah, away from him. Nowhere yeah. to be seen. There's no understanding of, okay, if we're going to play with these double eights, if Enzo pushes up, Gallagher kind of stays back and becomes, you know, sort of that safety net next to Caicedo. If Gallagher pushes up, Enzo drops back and becomes that safety net for Caicedo. Even in build-up play, if Caicedo gets marked out of the game, one of them has to drop. There has to be that balance. You see that balance with a team like Liverpool who doesn't even have a DM. Look at their ball retention. You see that balance with teams like Manchester City. They, th what they do is they actually push a center back into the midfield to be a, a second passing option. But nonetheless, the idea is the same. There's balance in areas of the pitch. You just don't see that with this Chelsea side. So it's, it, you want to talk about center, you want to talk about the wingers as well. How about the complete lack of tracking back? Look at Liverpool. Ben Chilwell was in constant 2v1 situations over and over and over and over and over. Yes, he was making individual mistakes too. But if you watch that match back, even against Wolves, overloads on his side constantly. You know why? Because Raheem Sterling's not going to track back. And there's, just, there's no understanding of what the players' roles are, you know, defensively. And then when we win possession, it's this hero football. Like, these guys are, are, are basically playing for themselves in a sense, right? We see it with Madueke at times. We see it with Sterling every fucking week. We saw it with Nico Jackson to start the season. The list kind of goes on and on and on. I mean, even Enzo at some points in this game was like, you know what, fuck this. I'm just going to pop a shot from 30 yards out and hope for the best. Like, it's hopeless. There's no direction. There's no tactical instruction. There's no sense of, we're going to do this in this situation, and when you're in this situation, this is what's supposed to happen. There's no understanding. What are we doing on a training pitch? Uh, oh, sorry, excuse me. I know the solution. We need James Ward-Prowse. That's the fucking solution. Like, <laughs> That's that was good. Pochettino. Oh my god! The good day Lord. after the transfer window closes, he's like, "Yeah, I think we should get. We should have gotten a set piece taker." Yeah, yeah that's our here. big issue. That's our issue, right? Uh, all right, let's go. But, to but, but I mean, wait, wait. I mean, I mean, but, but but to Tom Ashdown's point, right? And, and and I'll be the first one to say that I was on this train before the last two matches. I even said, Andres admits it, will admit it too. Sacking the manager won't do anything because who are you going to bring in to change things, right? I think that's a valid point to make. I mean, are you kind of on that boat? Yeah, like I said, like who the fuck do we bring in? Like the, the only option I can think of is Tiago Silva, player manager. Like, is that worse than what we have right now? I don't know. I mean, I would argue Jose Mourinho, but then again, you got baggage, you got the potential for it to go completely tits up. You know, his track record at the last would he couple be clubs he's to played do that at. Also, like, if, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Like, if we were bring, if we were to bring in Mourinho, like, it would probably be like a similar situation to when we brought in Tuchel, where it's like, all right, we'll give you a contract till the end of the season, 
prove your worth and we'll give you a longer one. Like there's no way we can we can give a long term contract right now. Yeah, yeah, there's no way. Heroes Medvedev asks the next question. Do you know what my god honest expectations were before this match? A draw. Yes, I would have been satisfied with a draw against the Wolf side that were at 6.0 odds to beat us at home, where we haven't lost to them since 1979. I'd honestly be okay with that, which actually means that as an optimistic observer, also known as a fan, I didn't completely exclude the possibility of a loss to this side, but I'm sorry. I didn't comprehend a fucking battering. My bad, mis- my bad, Mr. Bowley and Mr. Igbali. Guess my standards weren't low enough. This is kind of where I stand. It's like, and the, and the last part was an all cap, all caps. All caps. Zach, Zach yeah. didn't do a good enough job of uh, really showing the emotion in Carol's message, but I think he was yelling. I I actually share the same sentiment as Carol's. Like I said it before, I'm numb. I don't have expectations, and that's the fucking problem. We're supposed to be an elite club. We have two European cups. Three. Four, four, if you count the Super Cup. Yeah, four. <laughs> so it's like, what are we doing here, guys? Like, where is, again, it, it comes down to the culture, right? And the disconnect with the fans, I'm sure we've all seen the clips. Wolves fans chanting, you're fucking shit. The Chelsea fans joined in saying, we're fucking shit. They all kind of sang in unison together in what was like a twisted, beautiful harmony, but it's laughable man it's laughable our manager is getting pelted at halftime by the fans players are getting booed when they come off the team's getting booed every single time a halftime whistle or full-time whistle goes i just don't see i don't see a way that this group with this manager can turn it around I, i i just don't yeah i just don't Ron asked the last question, and this is actually, you know, a, a very valid point. He says, with jobs like Barcelona and Liverpool being available in the summer, why would a top manager choose this mess? Poch has lost the locker room. The fans and I got a feeling we're stuck with him till the end of the season, which scares me. Now, this is where I kind of fall in, in line with Ron a little bit. Do we try a Jose or JT? Might I even add some? This isn't part of his question. But what about a Jose-JT combo? I don't know, bro. What? Why John Terry? I mean, I get it. Obviously, like, like the leadership aspect and the, the club legend aspect. But like, what do you think John Terry would do to this team? Like, what out of based on? I mean, he, wait. He he hasn't. He he's managed the youth team, right? That's yeah, his managerial he's experience. He's never he's never managed a senior side. Is that no. am I wrong? He yeah, was part okay. of Villa's coaching staff when they were in the championship, but again, you know, not you know the manager. Manager. Okay, so we want like we want a question mark. Is that what we want to do right now? Like we don't know anything about that. Like that seems like a terrible option. As much as I love him, like based on the situation that we're in right now, the last you know the 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 crisis that we've been in, you know, like just hiring and firing managers, like it's fucking nothing. Like hiring someone who's a question mark, as much of a question mark as that. I hate that idea as much as I love JT. Like, I just don't think it's a smart idea. The Jose thing we can talk about a little bit more, but I don't know about JT. I mean, what, what, what about it 
do you like besides the fact that he's a great leader and is a club legend? Like Frank the thing I like was about too. I mean, the, he yeah. was a fucking shit manager for us. Who? Frank Lampard. <laughs> oh yeah, 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 yeah. And look, you're you're completely. It's a valid point to bring that up because we brought in Frank, obviously as an intern, but sort and of. Frank the had senior experience, and Frank to, was a fucking. He, like, he has experience. Yeah. He had experience. So it's even, you know, a better candidate. We brought we brought Frank in for the quote unquote vibes, which never happened. We we just lost <laughs> when Frank came in, for the second time at least. Um. But here's my thing with the JT and the Jose argument. I keep talking about the disconnect with the fans and the disconnect with, you know, the Chelsea of old. I'd, I'm not buying this whole, oh, we're rebuilding, so we're just going to start something completely new. What has this ownership done to sort of bridge the Chelsea of old and that mentality into this new quote-unquote Chelsea, right? Nothing. I think bringing in But a even Jose... we fucking hired, we brought we th- did the same thing last year and we brought Frank Lampard back to do the same exact thing that you said to try to bring like yeah. it, it's the same exact thing. Mm-hmm. I I don't want to do it like just for the vibes like what the fuck did that do for us last year? We No, it's it's more it became to, even worse. To, to like, me it comes Do the fans yeah. feel any better about the team? No. It doesn't yeah. it doesn't do anything if we're not winning, Zach. I'm not staking my claim and saying that this is the solution. I'm just saying the logic behind possibly making a move like this. These are guys that know the club. I don't see the logic. I just, know I, the just club. Explained to, I just explained to you that the exact logic you're thinking, he did the same thing last year, <laughs> and it be, and it turned out even worse. Like We're fucked, I, man. Who knows? We're so J, fucked. Like, We're finished. For all I know, JT could come in, and be the greatest manager of all time and fix everything. Like, I won't r- rule out that possibility completely because the the whole thing is it's just so unknown. I want something that is at least closer to being a for sure thing than something that we don't know anything about. Like the Mourinho thing. Like Mourinho, all of his ten years have been hit or miss. Like he. He won trophies at every like at every stop except for Tottenham, and that's you know you can't really blame him. Cup and final even with Roma, with this, I don't think he got yeah. a trophy, but made a cup yeah, final with no with, with zero transfer. Like he didn't he, have any he, funds. He won a Europa League or he won a Confederations, whatever it's called, and then made the finals of Europa League the final the next year. So he he did he did win trophies with Roma. So I I can see it happening, but I said this earlier like. We would like if 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 I was the the club, I would not offer him anything anything more than a contract till the end of the season. Oh, hundred percent agreed on and that. I don't know if Jose Mourinho, his ego would allow him to even do that. Yeah. Do you? I don't think. So. No, no, no. He does have an ego. And, I mean, and it's not even we're just talking about ego. Jose. It's, it's it's not even just the ego. It's like, do I want to spend my time doing this for something that's not sure like for six months and then after you know like go into the situation where all the cards like like are against me like i'm dealing with this roster that yeah we have talent but it's there's still a lot of issues with it like Mm -hmm. he it's a tough task for him to come in there and fix this job and to fix this team this year like enough where 
the, the club will be like, all right, let's bring you back for another year or how many, many years they want to sign him for. Like, it, it's a tough task for him to do. Like, I just don't see it happening. I really don't know what... Like, I am completely lost on what the right thing to do is right now. I really have no idea. There's issues with every option. The best option is pray that Ancelotti gets a change of heart and he's like, oh, I want to leave uh, Real Madrid or Real Madrid finds someone like like they have Mbappe coming in and Mbappe's like, I don't want to play for Ancelotti. Like, like we got to pray for something He just like signed that an extension happen. there too, man. Like it, I know, he, he was so bringing, close to leaving. Bringing someone of that level, I just, it's, 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 nobody's that's my dream Ancelotti bring him back that's that's what you said a connection to the to the play to the to the fans and a sure thing combined into one that would be perfect but yeah that's not happening yeah that's not happening not happening what the fuck do we do zach what okay we're finished so we've already talked about all the potential options you're todd bowley what are you doing? Sell my stake in the club. <laughs> <laughs> Say shit, I made a bad decision here. Or or um, if I'm Todd Bowley, I look in the mirror, I put my ego aside, and I say, huh, maybe I don't know jack shit about football. Okay, well, okay. You are making the decision, Zach. What do you do? So here's the, here's the first part of that question. Does does Poch stay until the end of the season? If Either I'm yes, Todd no, Bowley, or maybe. If, if if I'm Todd Bowley, or just my opinion. Yeah, if you are the if you are they hired you today, I said Zach, we're hiring you to make this this decision. What are you doing? Sack him. Today. Hmm. Okay. Then, who do you bring in to replace him? You have to pick one person to do it. And it has to be realistic, and they have to say yes. I say Jose. That's yeah. the only realistic option. There's no other elite manager that's going to even want okay. to entertain he says, he says, the idea of coming back. He says, I only, I only come if you guarantee me uh, another year after this year. Fuck it, you do it. You have so to. He, he, yeah, okay. Pochettino's not the one guy. One year, I would say yes. If he demands two years, I'd have to think about it. It's going to happen, I feel like, Zach. I feel like that's going to happen, which is really fucking like, hey, crazy, tell, t- but that's the situation we're in. Tell me a part of you does not want him to come back, so I'm I would. L- I, I think it would be awesome. I adore I the man. it would be cool, but it's just like, I totally see it ending so poorly and then we're in a position halfway through next season where we're in the shitter and we're like we got to get rid of jose Mourinho. who do we bring in to replace him and we're (laughs) in the same exact spot that we're in right now like i want to avoid that at all costs like i would like to like let's here's here's my idea we fire him tiago silva player manager and then you spend the rest of the season figuring oh, out man. who's going to be the manager next year. 
That's my, uh, that's my I'm I'm with I'm with the Tiago Silva player manager idea. Because it can't be worse. It can't get worse, I don't think. Because you're saying Tiago Silva's already there. Like it can't get worse. Can it? I we think. keep saying that. I think and that it, I don't and know. That it does yeah, get worse. Maybe. I don't know. It that's, could get worse. <laughs> that's the thing. We, we always say like, oh, it can't get any worse than this. And then the next podcast, we're back saying it did get worse. And where yeah. do we go from here? I, the, the, this season, we've gotten that question more than any other season that we've recorded. What is this? Can our sixth or seventh year? Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it, it's absolutely pathetic. I miss Tommy Tuchel. I really do. Uh, I don't. I'm as good Tommy Tuchel. I don't. I the current iteration of Tommy Tuchel is not is not good. You miss you miss um or we miss married Tommy Tuchel, pre divorce. Married Thomas Tuchel, yes. I miss yeah. I miss uh the we will build a team no one will want to play against. I miss the if we if we can't fly, uh we will drive. I will drive the butt like that that Thomas Tuchel. That? I miss that. Where is what, that? Yeah, he lost. He lost his soul. God, fuck you, fuck Pochettino, and fuck your lemons. Fuck your stupid oh, press conferences. Hands in your pockets. It doesn't even look angry anymore. Like it's, it's emotionless, yeah. man. And and listen, you know, you asked me the question, like, what do you do? I sack Pochettino every single time. He, it, I'm not. I'm there's on that done, now. He's done nothing. He's done nothing. I don't give a fuck about a cup final. I really don't. Hey, what if we win though? Who are we playing? What if we win? Who are we playing in the cup final? And what happened to us when we played them last? Just five days ago. (laughs) Oh yeah, five days ago, right? I'm thinking back to uh. And guess what? Cup finals last year. When we play in the cup final this time around against Liverpool, Mo Salah's gonna be back. So they're not going to hit the post 15 times. It's going to be five, four, five, six, nil. Without a doubt. Like, I, I have absolutely no faith. What, what yeah, are we going to do? We win, we're we're, we're going <laughs> to... We're not we win, going to. We're not going to. I want to be positive. I do. But listen, my recent experiences in being a Laker fan and being a Chelsea fan have <laughs> done nothing. But make me look at life realistically. We are finished mm-hmm. at the moment. As long as Pochettino stays at this club, continues managing this group, we're finished. Bottom line is this. Let's say you keep Pochettino to the end of the season, right? Let's say a hypothetical Pochettino stays. You go into next season. One or, you know, let's say two or three outgoings and two or three incomings. Do you really see anything changing? Do you see any of these players getting motivated do you see any trust do you see any bonds i don't see any of that nothing yeah yeah even though shit went sour with tuchel there were still players within the dressing room that would have ran through a brick wall for him had he stayed at the club exactly and you don't get that with pochettino are we gonna do a preview um of the Crystal Palace match, or can we just end it now? Before, or no, Villa, we play Villa. the next match. Uh, or can we just oh, end want... it now before I start crying? You want my prediction? Do you really want to hear my prediction? No, I'm just I'm asking you if we can stop recording right now so I can cry off, off, 
off camera or whatever. <laughs> I think I think this is a I think this is a pretty good place to end it because I have nothing positive to say. I'm gonna be so mad if we beat Villa, bro. I just don't want to fucking get hope. I'm gonna be so mad. I hope we lose. Who said it lose. today? Somebody said it in our uh, in our Discord chat. They said I think it was Michael, and he's uh, Michael Conan, and he said, "You know, I I, I hope we lose today." We're like, why? So because if we lose today, there's no excuse not to sack Pochettino. Yeah. And so I kind of feel listen, the same way now. I hope we win. I hope we get a result, obviously. No. But tongue in cheek, guys. Like, not even tongue in cheek. Just being genuinely honest. It's not going to happen. I don't see this group going out against Villa. And playing them off the pitch like we did at Stamford Bridge. We played them off the pitch at Stamford Bridge and we couldn't even beat them. We couldn't score. How are we going to go to Villa Park against a side that just put five past Sheffield in the first half and expect to get a result? I mean, that team is... And that manager, that manager, they have a manager, Sam. Remember when we had managers? Like this, exactly. you're you're rambling. Let's cut. Let's I know. Cut, let's I know. This off. Let us know what you guys think about this podcast. I am really curious to get all of your different opinions because I'm just trying to see other perspectives. So if you're not following us already, make sure you are at Blues on Parade. I promise. From here on out, hopefully the rest of the podcast won't be this depressing. But this is a reality check. Um. We'll record after Villa. Hopefully there's a result. And uh, until then, we'll keep the blue flag flying high.